largest earthquake in North America took place right here in Alaska, at least that is recorded, in 1964, a 9.2 magnitude. So I've got here a, a picture of Anchorage, downtown Anchorage, uh, created a lot of destruction. But, you know, this isn't the largest, and it was enormous, but this isn't the largest earthquake ever in recorded history. That occurred only four years earlier in Chile, a 9.4. Massive, massive earthquake. In terms of destructive power and loss of life, uh, the largest ever occurred in 1556 in China. And uh, it is said that uh, somewhere around 830,000 people died. That's getting up close to a million back in the 1500s. Massive, massive earthquake. Glendale, California is uh, one of those places that that gets a lot of earthquakes. In fact, since the 1920s when they've been counting uh, about 3,100 plus earthquakes in Glendale, California. In 1994, they had a 6.7 magnitude. And the United States Geological Services uh, says that uh, there is a 97.49% chance that the big one, a major earthquake, is going to hit Glendale, California within the next 50 years. And yet people live there. Uh, so the architects in Glendale are doing what they can to make the buildings um, earthquake-resistant. And so here I've got a picture of a municipal building in Glendale and, uh, and the foundation. They use something called elevated um, foundation, which is seismic base isolation technology. And the idea is, so if you, you can see there, the entire building is on these... Um, kind of vibration, uh, not proof, but uh, resistant pillars. And so if the ground quakes, the idea is that the building won't uh, shake as, as much. But there is no such thing as earthquake-proof architecture. If you get a big enough shake, uh, any building will come down. A major earthquake... They're going to knock these buildings down. And so if you lived in Glendale, California, what would it take for you to conclude, time to move? <laughs> I mean, would it need to be 97.49%? That's just not big enough. I need 100%. Uh, would that do it? Or is it the 50-year timeline? You know, Tell me it's going to happen in 10 years or, or, or this year. Would that be enough? to motivate you to up and change your life. We're studying the book of Hebrews. And in our text today, uh, we are told that there is coming a day when God will shake the heavens and the earth and nothing material will remain. And it is a shaking that we will all experience. And God warns us of this to motivate us to make some changes in our lives. Will we heed the warning? What is it going to take for in your life to get you to, uh, to make some, some changes, in particular to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? So I want to start with this question. When God shakes your life and the only thing that remains is his kingdom, what are you going to have left? 
So Jason read our text, but since it's short, I'm going to reread it and then we will uh, unpack it. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. God is speaking. Will you listen or will you refuse him? For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. It's talking there about uh, God warning at Sinai when he gave the first covenant, as opposed to Jesus, the son of the living God, coming and talking to us face to face. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. First point I want to make out of the text is this. When God is done shaking the heavens and the earth, the only thing that will remain is his kingdom. When God is done shaking the heavens and the earth, the only thing that will remain is his kingdom. Yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made. The, the, the created order, the material world that God spoke into existence with a word, he will take it all away. It will be destroyed. And all that will be left are the things that cannot be shaken. The kingdom of God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, we read this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. There is uh, coming a, there's coming a day in which uh, this world and is going to be gone, and what God has created uh, is going to be destroyed so that he can create something new. And why is that? Of course, it's because sin has uh, broken the world, has tainted it. And God's not okay with that. He's not content with that long term, and he has promised to uh, rebuild perfection and what he had intended from, from the get-go. So the question for us is this. Um, in light of the fact that, that this world will someday be destroyed, what's worth our time and our energy and our affections? If you know that the kingdom you build on earth is going to someday get shaken down and crumble, and, and when that happens, it's, it's gone, what does wisdom suggest? Well, the scriptures tell us we should set our affections on things above where our life is hidden with Christ in God. He's saying, Christians, uh, what's your real life? Your real life is the life that will be that you will enjoy forever and ever and ever. It's, it's the, uh, the kingdom of God that has already begun in you. It's the things that you do for the glory of God and in response to his lordship in your life. Those are the things that will last. When God shakes your life and all that is left is what reflects his kingdom, what are you going to have left? 
In Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, we read this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. This is a vision of the future. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. What a picture. From the presence of God, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. Boy, we want our names found in the book of life, don't we? And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. God is keeping a record of of the actions of every human on earth throughout all time. And there will be a day of judgment in which the way uh, we lived our lives will be uh, remembered and we will, be, we will be held account. And that, can, that will be a, a terrifying day for anyone whose name is not written in uh, the book of life. Anyone whose sins have not been forgiven and forgotten because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Boy, you know, we have friends and family and co-workers and neighbors whose names are not yet written in the book of life. And God has entrusted to us a great responsibility and a great privilege to present with winsomeness but cur- and courage the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Uh, it is loving sometimes to warn and to say, let me just tell you uh, very clearly what God has promised to do so that you can uh, wisely uh, respond and make the changes necessary so that you won't under, so that when the shaking time comes, you're not left with nothing. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Today, uh, a big chunk of uh, the thrust of the uh, message today and the application is for the non-Christian. Because if you are not in Christ, that day of shaking is going to leave you with nothing but sorrow. And so your response today is uh, what we're going to see are you willing to heed the word of the Lord, the warning of the Lord? Will you, or will you refuse him? And so when, the, when God shakes the heavens and the earth, all that will remain is his kingdom. And we don't want to be left with nothing. Second thing that I see jumping out of the text is this. Uh, God always follows through on his threats. Verse 25, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. So um, at Mount Sinai, when God gave Israel the law, he spelled out covenant blessings and cursings. And he said, if you are faithful and if you obey, you will be blessed. But if you're unfaithful and if you're disobedient, then here are the cursings. He laid it out clear as a bell, and he even asked the people, are you willing to accept this? 
And he's, he, this, this uh, letter is written to Hebrews. They know their history. They know full well that God, uh, God followed through on his threats. All the way to the point of exile for 70 years. And many years they were uh, underneath the oppressive hand of, of other nations as God followed through on his threats. So uh, God is not like the Iraqi um, information minister. I got a picture of this guy here. Remember him during the, uh, the second Gulf War? Mohammed Saeed al-Sahaf. Remember how hilarious he was? He was on television and he was, there was one time he's like, there are no Americans in Iraq. And you can hear the gunfire going off in Baghdad, you know, and the American tanks are rumbling. And so he's always, he, he was just bold-faced lying and he's making all these threats that were completely meaningless, right? Uh, the infidels are committing suicide by the hundreds at the gates of Baghdad. The fact is, as soon as they reach Baghdad's gates, we will besiege them and slaughter them. And so he's, you remember this guy? It was just completely laughable. Uh, he was all bluster, and his threats were completely empty. This is not God. Uh, when God uh, says he's going to do some, he, something, he does it. And in fact, in our text today, he goes so far as saying in verse 26, but now he has promised. The coming judgment is, a, is backed by the promise of God. He is letting us know this is not optional. It's not a 97.49% chance. This is 100% sure. This is God saying, I promise there is coming a day when I will judge the world. And, it's, and you're going to be there. And I'm going to be there. So are you prepared? And so what's our logical... <laughs> What's the why in our road? It's this. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. We all have a choice. You have a choice. Are you going to... God is speaking. Insert your name here. Anna. See that you do not refuse him. John. See that you do not refuse him. God is speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to every person on planet earth. And we have a choice. We all have a choice. Are we going to uh, give him the stiff arm, right? Speak to the hand. Or are we going to listen? Here we go. Are we going to refuse him? Or are we going to receive him? That's right. We're going to receive him. Good job, Kip. See that you do not refuse him. Because if you refuse him, he's told you what's coming. And we don't want that. We don't want that for ourselves. We certainly don't want that for our loved ones. We don't want that for anyone here. But if you are not a Christian this morning, God is, I want you to understand that through me, God is speaking directly to you. And he's, he's asking you a question. Will you listen? Will you heed my word? Third thing. So encouraging. Uh, the Christian will not suffer loss on that day. The Christian won't suffer loss. Verse 28, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
Amen. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you're a follower of the Son of the living God, you have inherited, already have inherited, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What does it mean? It means when God comes and judges the world, uh, you're not left empty-handed. You do, Actually, you don't lose anything. You gain. All of a sudden, the, the wickedness has been purged out of the world and out of you. And so you actually, you step even more fully into this inheritance that you've begun to taste, right? And we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We've tasted and seen. But that day comes and we're going to get to step fully into it and experience our full inheritance. Revelation 21. Again, seeing the future, the prophet John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. God's going to recreate. I wonder what that'll be like. The first one was awesome. I wonder what the new one will be. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So it's going to be lovely, desirable. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. We've tasted that right now and dwelt with the spirit of the living God. We've begun to taste it, but then it will be fully realized. He will dwell with us. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Amen. And so we Christians, we don't fear the coming judgment because we have nothing to be judged for because of the mercy of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sins have been atoned for. They have been forgiven. Hebrews has been pounding that, right? Uh, they've been, I remember their sins no more. That's incredible. Amen. Amen. I will remember their sins no more. So we've got this glorious day awaiting us. And so what's the response? The proper response is a grateful worship that, that uh, is manifests into worship. Gratefulness that manifests itself in worship. Verse 28 again. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us to offer, offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So how do you respond to the fact that when judgment comes, you won't suffer loss. You have inherited an unshakable kingdom. Gratefulness in your heart. And then express worship to God out of gratefulness. Are you grateful? Yes. I like you. What are you doing? I need more kips cheering me on here, cheering the truth on here. Yes, yeah, so are, you, are we grateful? Here we go. We should be grateful, right? And you know what? Um, you know what it says here, with reverence and awe. It actually means fear and dread. For our God is a consuming fire. Well, what does it really mean? Here's what, here's what I think it's saying. It's saying, um, 
when you really believe that God is telling us the truth, and you really believe there is coming a, a, a judgment day, and you really believe that, that on judgment day you will be found guiltless, and you will receive a kingdom uh, that is not shaken. Uh, you have an appropriate soberness. You are thankful, God, I am so thankful that I, that I am uh, secure and saved in Jesus Christ. But I also recognize the, the seriousness of this and the dread of that day. And so it should motivate us to pray for other people. And it should motivate us to go out and with courage share the gospel so that other people uh, can also be inheritors of this unshakable kingdom. You know, when we lack an evangelistic fervor, when we're unwilling to take risks uh, in evangelism and sharing the faith, what does it really say about our um, how much we really believe the promise of God and what he said uh, is, is the ultimate end for all people. Watchman Nee was a pastor in um, the 1920s in China. And I heard a story, I just I love this. He said, there was a, um, a young Christian who came to Pastor Nee and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm blowing it as a Christian. I just can't seem to overcome some sinful habits I have and uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing what I know I should be doing, and I'm worried about my salvation. And Watchman Nee said, see my dog right there? He said, my dog is house trained, never does anything in the house, super obedient. Now, see my uh, little son? My son is, uh, messes his pants up slobbers all over, puts food everywhere, doesn't always obey me. Which one is going to inherit? It's my son. And God God has adopted us into his family, and he has guaranteed us uh, an inheritance that can't be shaken by judgment, and it can't even be shaken by our own failures. That's how unshakable it is. No one can take it from you. We can just rest in that and, and, and uh, thank the Lord for that and worship him for that. So let's, uh, if you would, bow your heads. I've got some questions for, uh, for us to respond to. So I started out by asking, you know, what would it take for you to move out of Glendale? And so now I ask, for those of you who are not Christians... You know, what's it going to take for you to amend your life and get right with God? God in his, in his mercy and in his love for you, the scripture says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to righteousness. God in his mercy has warned you of, of what will come to pass. But he's offered you a way to be saved. That's why Jesus left heaven and came to earth and endured the scorn of wicked men and ultimately uh, laid his life down upon the cross so that you can be saved. But will you receive God's offer of salvation in Jesus Christ? Will you become a Christian today? And for all of us, 
Are we worshiping the unshakable God or possessions, the things that will ultimately be shaken out? Do we really believe that judgment is coming? Do we really believe that that through faith in Christ we will inherit an unshakable kingdom? And if so, God says, be grateful and worship me for, for that.